0: Across America and around the world, famous vintners and favorite destinations. We share the stories behind the wines. Welcome to Vintage, hosted by the
1: voice of wine, Brian Bushlack.
0: Oregon Wine Month continues throughout May, and I often refer to Dick and Nancy Ponzi as the patriarch and matriarch, the first family of the Oregon wine industry, and I say that with a great amount of respect for the other Oregon wine pioneers from Myron Redford and David Lett, uh, Dick Erath, David Adelsheim, and many others. Dick and Nancy Ponzi not only left their mark on the wine industry, but craft brewing as well. They opened Bridgeport in Portland's Pearl District way before it was the Pearl, They founded Ponzi Vineyards in 1970, opened the Dundee Bistro, which became by far the most popular pit stop in the Dundee Hills, still is to this day. Nancy Ponzi also co-founded the Salute Pinot Noir Auction to provide seasonal vineyard workers with access to health care. And then Dick and Nancy Ponzi did something that most family business owners, quite frankly, have a very difficult time with. They handed things off to their talented daughters, Maria and Louisa, and let them run with it. Maria on the business side, Louisa with the winemaking. And here we are now, almost 50 years after Ponzi Vineyards was founded, and they have two of the most influential women in the Oregon wine industry. Now, we featured Dick and Nancy numerous times, Louisa once, so I think we were overdue for a visit with Maria, who's the president and director of sales and marketing, And I asked her what it was like growing up in the Ponzi family.
1: Well, I think, I think from the outside, it's probably a bit more glamorous than it is from the inside. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was really about four years old when we moved up here from Northern California. So I was absolutely just along for the ride here in tow, you might say. It was a lot of work, to be frank with you. I mean, the thing about my folks is that they took the kids wherever they were and we did whatever they did. So it was absolutely a family effort. Of course, they were telling us what to do and directing us all the way along the line but the fact of it is that we were alongside them you know trying to figure out how to plant a vineyard basically you know how do you get rows that are straight and how do you plant little twigs into the the ground and what are these stakes for and what's this wire about and how do we get the birds out of the vineyard for the first you know couple of years so we can have some fruit and we were in the vineyard and When we finally had fruit, we were harvesting alongside our folks and we were bottling wine. And, you know, I was probably in our little makeshift garage tasting room when I was very, very young and shouldn't have been behind a bar. But those were the good days of the early seventies. But yeah, definitely been involved with every aspect along the way for, for sure it was a thrill you know I mean it turned into being a thrill because of where we are today but as I said I mean the early days for many many years frankly it was working on a farm you know it's like a lot of country kids where you're not going out for your soccer or cheerleading or you know going down to the new Star Wars release you're at home you know and uh, whether you like it or not and that was sort of my mother's words to me when i would often complain as a teenager like you know i would say say the things like i never asked for this you know this is not what i want to be doing and she'd say well this is what we're doing so <laughs> get back to work and that's kind of nancy ponzi's philosophy is well i'm sorry this is the way it's going to be so it was interesting it's a good time
0: i think that was the philosophy of a lot of mothers in the 1970s it was not a touchy feely <laughs> right. era it was hey here's what we're doing You're on board, or you're not, right? Yeah,
1: that was that was really it. I mean, I think the great thing that came out of it was we were able to see what was involved with this type of um, business. And I, for one, knew very early on that I didn't enjoy being outside in the weather, working in the vineyard. I didn't enjoy being in a dark, cold cellar. You know, getting wet and sticky. I hated it. I enjoyed what my mother's responsibilities were in terms of promoting the wines and developing relationships with buyers and the community and talking to wholesalers and that was the piece that kind of got me excited and my sister Louisa who's our winemaker now was the one who really did enjoy being in the dirt and she really did love getting wet and <laughs> and being uncomfortable in in a dark cellar i mean those were things that were natural for her and likewise the things that were natural for me I was able to do as an adult and as a, a professional much much later on. So we were fortunate that way.
0: At what point did you know and I know maybe you maybe answer for her did you both know you're going to stay with this and mm-hmm. you know, divide up those tasks or you're doing this I'm doing that where how old were you were you in your teens or did you have to go away and come back or when was that
1: Yeah. It was it's a definite go away and come back. Kind of game here. I think that anybody in any family business, my advice would be to to get out for a bit and get some perspective because I think once you're involved in any family business, you know you're you're fairly committed and you got to either love it or not, and it's it's challenging that way. But you know, again, as we were kids growing up, I feel that that we had natural tendencies, and I studied journalism at U of O, and in fact, I was I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. That was my dream, and when I moved to in and realized that wasn't going to happen too quickly. I ended up in advertising uh, for a publishing house, and I, I did that for several years and then realized that wasn't really exciting me anymore. And when I called home in the mid 80s, early 90s, I called home and I just to check in. And at that time, you know, things had really evolved in the community. I mean, Domain Drawn had moved in, there were a lot of uh, new investors that had moved into the valley, and so that kind of excited me thinking hey maybe something's going on you know maybe this is a real you know business or maybe this is a real industry that's happening after all that time so I came back I was away for about four years and then Louisa you know she studied winemaking and she was in Burgundy for a couple of years uh, getting her uh, degree and then returned a couple of years after me so we kind of came back with you know pretty close to each other but we were you know when we came back we knew what we wanted to do. And I think we knew not what we wanted to do, but where we would be advantageous to the company and to the business operation. And, and our folks were so wonderful about bringing us in and not having an ego about us taking over their positions, but they really allowed us to come in. And I think that's a real piece of the Ponzi success, to be honest with you, that that we didn't have pioneers or first generation folks who were territorial And uh, that's pretty unusual. And I think for us, very magical that we had that, those kind of folks to embrace us, to come back and not completely dictate how things were going to go. They were open to us kind of moving, moving things forward in the way that we saw them. And I think that, or the way that we envisioned them. And I think that was something that really made it a lot of fun for us to be back home and, and
0: involved. And from a DNA standpoint, Dick and Nancy Ponzi really lucked out with the gene pool here because, you know, they get you with the business side, the advertising, the PR, the communications. Uh And they've got Louisa, who's technical, amazing winemaker. And, you know, you see a lot of not only wineries, but family businesses where, you know, kids fight over the lead role or they, you know, they're all the same. And so, you know, you look at this. Uh, petri dish here at, <laughs> at the Ponzi winery. And I mean, it couldn't have worked out better, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's really true. And like I said, I think it, it's also allowed us to really enjoy our positions as they, you know, in the more modern day, you know, when Louise and I've been working together for almost 28 years together or more, Because we don't want the other person's position, right? Like she definitely doesn't want to do what I do. And I absolutely don't want to be a winemaker. I mean, it's the last thing I want to do. (laughs) So that works. We can support each other that way. And we can really, and we do have this level of respect for each other. And I think that that that, again, has been a really healthy thing that, like you said, doesn't always happen. So we did, you know, there's definitely some luck involved with that. I think what Luis and I have done in the last 20 some years, over 20, 25 years have, has really been to maintain true to the tradition of our folks and the philosophies and the values that are very core, but, but also to move the business forward and to grow it in a responsible way and to build on strengths that we knew that we had as a family and as a winery and as a brand. And so, I mean, I'm really pleased and, very, very happy with where Luis and I've taken the company, but the foundation was always, you know, has been extremely strong and and very well set for us. So there's obviously that. <laughs> so we're very fortunate that way.
0: We'll talk Oregon Wine Month in a bit, but what was it like at the outset? I mean, I you know we all see the spectacular winery and tasting room now and everything that exists because of the past. 25 years what happened before that what was it like at the beginning though mm-hmm. when the two of you young women teaming up second generation what was the what was the word around the campfire in the Oregon wine industry <laughs> what were people thinking
1: well i think that women in the wine industry are now starting to come in and making and making a place for themselves. And I think it's really great, but yeah, like you said, it's been a couple more, you know, a couple decades or so when we came back, I mean, we had a couple challenges. Yes, we were women. We were also young and we were also following in the footsteps of our folks. So, you know, right there, you're, you're, you've got a lot to prove, you know, you feel like you've got a lot to prove. And I think Louise in particular felt that she really had to prove herself as a winemaker because there just really weren't, many women in wine, I mean, anywhere in the country and, and, and actually internationally. So I think she had her, her definite challenges. I definitely had my challenges too, but I think that when you're sort of bored and bred in this industry and you know it so well, It gives you a great deal of confidence to just push on through, and we've made a lot of effort in trying to bring young women along with us, whether it be in my area of the work and the business end and sales and marketing and hospitality or Louisa, you know, when she's bringing in Harvest interns, she's always, yeah, kind of seeking out some women. We feel that that's part of our job is to pass that along and bring young women into this industry. We need more of them, and, and we welcome that. And like many women, I, I guess we feel a little bit like we've opened the road, but it's part of, like, again, it's just kind of inherent in us, too. It's a little bit easier now, but definitely we still have some very interesting moments, no doubt about it. And we'll sh- save that for another interview, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what it's like to be a woman in the wine industry is, is interesting.
0: <laughs> well, I ask that because you've been at it for 25 plus years. And, you know, on a recent trip yeah. out to Oregon wine country, I'm at Stoller where they have a team of women winemakers, uh, obviously Lynn Penner-Ash, well known. I mean, the list goes on yeah. and on. And not only as winemakers, but behind the scenes on the business side, at Trisatum, at other wineries, yeah. uh, all across the region yeah. and all up and down the West Coast now, women playing a key yeah. role in the wine industry, I think more yeah. so than any other industry.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, like I said, I think they're definitely coming in. And, um, uh, you know, here in Oregon, Lynn was uh, a, a few years ahead of Louisa, and then Louisa came in. And now, yeah, like you said, we've got we've got a whole, <laughs> lots of gals running around and, 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 a, and intelligent ones. You know, you've got Allison Blosser, who's running a, a really large operation over at Focal Blosser. And there's a lot of great women at the helm of some major companies now doing an, an incredible job. It's very satisfying and i think also i guess uh, there's a nod to women who also are raising families because children because that's a, a piece of this that always adds a level of complexity that sometimes is not appreciated but i have to say that i think louisa and i have been able to also you know raise kids and, and make our children and our families priorities and I think that's something that all women really struggle with and, and it's not easy to do that and run a successful business. So it's tough work. But if if you're committed to it, you can make it happen. We had the ability of of sharing help, you know, Luis and I because we had kids raising them at the same time and we were able to help each other out. You go to this tasting, I'll go to that tasting, you know, things like that. So um but the aspect of, of women is one piece but I think also just being you know, a committed mother, a mother who's really loyal to, to raising family is, has always been important to us. And I, again, it kind of goes back to, as you said, DNA, it kind of goes back to the roots of the family of of Nancy, who remained very committed to raising her kids, even though she was absolutely building a business and an industry. And that is something that, that is, is not easy to do it's a lot.
0: Yeah, no question. So do you look back now? I mean, there were those, those days or those weekends where you wanted to do something as a teenager and you didn't get to do it. Do you, do you look back now and, and appreciate oh, yeah. what you went through?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously we, we learned, we have an incredible work ethic. I mean, almost maybe to a fault, to be honest, people talk today about balance, you know, work and life balance. And I kind of like chuckle cause I'm not really sure what that is in my world. <laughs> uh, cause yeah. My work is my life. My life is my work. There are absolutely many days that I was not allowed to do things. I mean, I wanted to be a girl, Scout, I wanted to go sell cookies. Like my friends got to sell cookies. I wanted to be on the cheerleading team. I wanted to do a lot of things that, um, I just simply was not allowed to do. At that time, I was pretty frustrated and pretty unhappy, and it it forced me to leave Oregon as, as soon as possible to go see what else there was in the world. But I think as I look back now, absolutely, those were great lessons. I learned so much from being around the business and and the operation, but it was all you know. I sacrificed some stuff too, for sure. I mean, we were pretty you know, we're like a family farm. You know that you're sort of isolated. You know, you're you're working on in the dairy. You know, you're working on the fields. You're not spending a lot of time with people and kids your own age, and yeah, it can be sort of a little bit of an isolating life for sure. The good thing that happens when you're a, a wine grower is that there's wine, which means people come together a lot. <laughs> so there was the social aspect of wine that, um, that our folks always had people over and things like that. So we were able to get together. But I think as a kid, it's it a very unusual way to grow up, for sure. It's not like you run down to your neighbor's house and get on the bike and run around and go to the ice cream store. You know, I mean, those are things that were very foreign to us. We would have never known what that was about. Thank you for downloading
0: Vintage. Hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. Your family at the epicenter of the brew pub, brewery, craft brewing industry, the wine industry. Do you ever look back you know of course for those not familiar with what i'm talking about bridgeport brew pub and the what is now the pearl district back then it was (laughs) it was far from it it was a broken down industrial (laughs) area up until about 1995 so do you you stop and look back now and go wow
1: yeah yeah it's pretty overwhelming to be honest i mean i think that the beer industry is one part of it you know that, that yeah to your point you know when we had our our brewery in in the Pearl it was you know it was an, it was a rope factory people in the city would complain about the stench you know the the smells of of fermentation <laughs> and uh, now I feel like Portlanders almost welcome it you know but again that was it was so unusual and you know again learned so much about introducing the public to something brand new, you know, fresh ale was unheard of and this is nineteen eighty four. So we had to introduce people to this brand new product and it, it definitely, you know, it echoed back to introducing people to Oregon Pinot Noir, you know, um about ten years before that time. So there was a lot of being at the front of an industry, a lot of paving the way for others to come in. I mean now when I drive the back roads through Salem, you know, and I see all the vineyards and all the wineries that are have opened up. It does it overwhelms me. On one side you feel completely complimented that people are moving in with with this amount of confidence, I suppose that they can make something here the way that we made something happen. That's wonderful. I obviously I often think I wonder if they really understand how much Work It takes, you know, how it, it will take over your world. And you have to love it. You have to, like I said, you live and breathe it. It is your life. If you want to do it the way that we've done it, which is to always try to strive for putting out a really high, high quality product consistently year after year and provide a wonderful space for people to experience with our hospitality and our tasting rooms, you know, and sell internationally and nationally. I mean there's there's a lot that we do as a as a little family business that has huge impact, but that's because yeah, we're workaholics. We're pretty driven. And again it kinda as I said, it kinda nods back to to our childhood days of full commitment. And we're still that way for sure.
0: So I think we're contemporaries, having grown up in central Oregon Oregon State, while you were at Oregon into Portland in the early 1990s. So I'm tracking with you on that. And let's face it, Dundee up until recently was not uh, the most beautiful city, right? Uh, yeah. It's gone through a lot of <laughs> gentrification over the past five, 10 years. But back yeah. in the day, before the industry certainly was what it is today, the Dundee Bistro, owned by the Ponzi family, and I think what really struck me the first time I I visited obviously the food was out of this world but if you went into the the tasting room it was not only Ponzi wines but it was all of these other wines back in the day we hadn't even heard of well who's that you know and now mm-hmm. it's a household name i think that you know mm-hmm. to the credit of, of you know your mom and dad and your family you know embracing the fact that you know this industry was on the <laughs> rise and i thought it was pretty cool that you would do that
1: yeah. Well, that was back in, um, 1998. And that was really actually my inspiration. I, I was getting, I'd come back to the winery and I was a little bit frustrated with the fact that everyone kept talking about Yamhill County and that's where wine country is. And you got to go down 99 and go through Dundee all the way to McMinnville. And that's what we kept hearing. And I, I was thinking, well, wait a minute. Hello. We're here, but nobody, you know, nobody knows about Washington County wineries, et cetera. So, The idea was to get a place on 99 for visibility and get the brand up there. And I wanted to partner with a restaurant. I thought that that would be a nice kind of destination for folks. Uh, And again, this is back in the day when there are only maybe two restaurants in what we now know as wine country. And I wanted to open a wine bar, but the reality was behind the wine bar idea was that we didn't have enough wine. I didn't think we had enough wine to actually fulfill like a whole new second tasting room. So the idea of having a a regional wine bar and having some of these lesser known brands, the new brands that were coming in, small wineries, small operations, having a place for them to present their wines just seemed like a great attraction for visitors coming into the area. So that's when we developed the uh, Dundee property and um, my husband, Brett uh, Fogelstrom, who's our always uh, an amazing uh, designer, builder, went to work on the on the building and for the restaurant and then uh, for the wine bar. And if you recall, there was a little shop that was all about Oregon products as well. Yeah. But we established that. And it was really meant to be a destination for the travelers, you know, because again, up to then, if you think even to the tasting rooms, the tasting rooms were, we had a few of them in Dundee and McMinnville, but they were all like walk in, stand up to the bar, drink and go. But there weren't a lot of other places for people to sit and really kind of soak in the valley and the people and this whole vibe of the Willamette Valley. And I felt that that was really a piece that we were missing. It just made sense when we opened up the restaurant finally to have this idea of, of fresh product. Now it's known as farm-to-table, but of course it was farm-to-table. We were in the middle of the Willamette Valley. We're miles, you know, we're minutes from ranches and gardens, and it was easy to to have a, a, a fresh menu with really beautiful foods on a daily basis. So that's when we introduced the restaurant and the restaurant's now owned by my brother and he's actually taken on that complex and taken that forward. But we stepped out of the restaurant business when we decided to move up here up on the hill and kind of refocus our efforts on the, in the winery. But I think that this whole idea of, of drawing travelers to the Willamette Valley was, yes, it was, again, we were sort of at the forefront of this all. We were sort of opening up this door, but we saw as if you did it well, you know, you executed it well. People really wanted it. We had people (laughs) dining there three times over a weekend, which was sort of funny at some point, but (laughs) (laughs) there was nowhere else for them to go. So it was sort of like lovely. We got all that business, but at the same time, I'm thinking, it would be nice if we shared this business with somebody else. So thankfully, you know, we have a couple other options for people. And of course, the Allison opening up a few years ago. So it's, it's developed. But again, like all, I think all of our projects always been at the beginning and really put in the hard work, you know, and introducing these new concepts to people. It hasn't been always easy, but. A lot of people don't think about those things. You know, they just think, "Oh, now let's get to Dundee. That's that's where we need to have the restaurant or the tasting room, or, or you know, or the, or the winery for that matter." But um, there's a heck of a lot of work that's gone into uh, to making it work and making it successful and opening it up for other folks. But it's something we're obviously we're super proud of of all that we've accomplished and and actually been able to contribute to the valley and and to our travelers.
0: And let's not uh, forget Lumpy's Tavern too. <laughs>
1: Those guys are fine, man. They're not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> I know. They're a mainstay. What's the joke? How much beer does it take to make a bottle of wine? Or what is it that the the winemaker's saying, right? It's great to see what's happened in Dundee, not only all around Oregon wine country, Willamette Valley, Washington County, and uh, this spectacular mm-hmm. new uh, winery, tasting room, meeting facility that you built built uh, in the hills high above the valley. I mean, What a project. I mean, talk about that, because that in and of itself was a monster project.
1: We were making wine out of our garage for literally 40 years. (laughs) We were, I think when we left, we were over 20,000 cases in literally a, a pretty small little garage. And the tasting room was our original home. So it was pretty tiny as well. I think it was about... Uh, thousand square feet. So Luis and I started talking about, you know, what are we going to do about this? Because either we have to just kind of keep it at this low level or are we are going to grow? And so we had that big conversation and we decided that, you know, at minimum we needed a place for a winery so we looked actually we looked in, in dundee and we looked all over the hills and and then we started scratching head, saying why would we go in dundee when all of our vineyards are here right here in the shahala mountain area and shoals and so we were really fortunate to find this piece of property just out, you know just here in shoals and it was an old orchard walnuts and hazelnuts and we took that purchased it in 2000 and And then uh, built our, we planted our vineyard here and then built the winery in 2008. Uh, Louisa and her team moved up and we have this beautiful state-of-the-art three, actually four-levels gravity flow facility. She moved her team up here and started making wines. And then about five years later, I came up with my team and, uh, again, Brett, our amazing designer, built the office space and the tasting room, and that was in 2013. And again, the idea behind the tasting room was to elevate the traveler's experience. So again, I had been able to really watch the progression of taste rooms over decades, and I wanted to invite people to, again, really learn about the history of the region, hear about our story in particular, but also really Become educated about the wines and why we're in Oregon, why the the soil here is so important and the climate is so important to growing these beautiful wines, and so that created this sit down kind of concept that we have now and offering light little food for folks. and And what do you know? People showed up. I didn't I didn't think they'd show up because we were so far down the the road, but it's been very successful. and 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 then just last year in 2018 we opened up. A dining room, basically an event space, small event space, so that we can have really showcase the wines with meals and pair the food and the wines together. And so we've been able to host uh, dinners and lunches, but more than that, also host seminars and, and presentations about wine and food, and really celebrate all of you know what we do and our, our real pride that we have in the Willamette Valley and and all the things that we can do here. So, yeah, I think we're done, though. I think I think we're done developing. <laughs> we
0: just tapped out. It's time to...
1: <laughs> now we're just going to fine-tune it. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: time to sit back and enjoy the wine. And by the way, you know, most of the tasting room properties at Elevation face toward the east, and you get the mountains, which is mm-hmm. fine, but we all saw that spectacular sunset in... November yeah. at the Salute Big Board Auction. Yeah. I mean, that's where everybody was. Was out there on that lawn and that patio. And yeah. I mean, what an amazing sunset, right?
1: Yeah, it, we we love the sunset and we look straight north, which is kind of inspiring. I love, I don't know, north is about moving forward and looking forward. And I love that every day I kind of am able to look out north and and into the future a little bit. It's a beautiful spot. We're you know we're incredibly grateful for the opportunities that we've had and where we are right now and and yeah it seems a little bit uh sitting to be sitting a little bit higher than where we started (laughs) we were down in the in the low low valley uh for a long long time and i i do think it's a little better up on a a little elevation so
0: yeah happy maria ponzi president and director of sales and marketing at ponzi vineyards want to thank maria for taking time to join us And thank you for downloading Vintage. More Oregon features throughout May as Oregon Wine Month continues.
1: Vintage is a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All
0: rights reserved.